You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Um, honestly, I'm, I love Adrian, and that's my quarterback. I'm not going to really comment on that because, honestly, that doesn't matter for this year. Um, but um, with that being said, we're just ready for them. You know, there's, there's really not too much to remember about it uh, for me. Uh, it was unfortunate. It's football. I think injuries are a part of the game and is what it is. Uh, I moved on after that, and, and, you know, I've moved on since and, and just really ready to go, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a target on their head, man, basically. You know, we're just going to go out there and we're going to play Nebraska football. Oh, man, I'm, I'm just so excited for this game, man. Um, away game, you know, the sea of red is coming to Boulder. Oh, man, it's, it's going to be, you know, a lot of anticipation, a lot of history. Um, you know, it's going to be a game that, um, that people just going to be locked in um, from, you know, Colorado and us. So we're going we gonna to want to give it to each other. So I'm just ready for it. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus, as we are going to get you ready for Saturday's showdown in Boulder. And I tried, guys, but nobody would take the bait on the leg twist that happened a year ago. Um, Collier, the linebacker. Um, is it Jacob Collier? What was his name? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, the linebacker from Colorado, obviously, as we know, twisted the leg of Adrian Martinez. Uh, Colorado claims it was not done maliciously. Replays show differently. Um, and there's no question that's been a topic behind the scenes. Guys have talked about it. Um, you know, nobody wanted to go public about it and, and, and address uh, what happened. Because I don't think much does need to be said at this point. But that being said, Nebraska still, guys, has a lot of questions themselves going into this game with the way they played. I think we all expected this to be a game on Saturday last week against South Alabama where it'd be kind of a clinic, a show, one of those kind of days where you're on the rooftop of Barry's in the fourth quarter, not even caring about what's going on in the field. And it was a little bit too close for comfort and kind of a wake-up call for this team as they go out to Boulder, especially um, with how well Colorado played offensively against Colorado State. Yeah, I would chalk that performance up on Saturday is underwhelming, disappointing, frustrating, uh, any verb you want. But uh, the reality is Nebraska's offense uh, showed that um, they are far from the uh, machine that we expected them to be. And a lot of that started with uh, the play of the offensive line, the play of Adrian Martinez, uh, which was as surprising as anything that um, you know the guy that is regarded as one of the top co- quarterbacks in all college football going into the season would struggle the way he did. You know, he just didn't look comfortable. And, you know, maybe part of that had to do with, um, you know, the lack of a running game or, you know, support pass protection or the, the consistent high snaps that maybe threw off his rhythm. But the whatever the cause, Adrian was not normal Adrian. It wasn't the same guy they saw all fall camp or all spring or even towards the back end of last season. And that needs to get fixed in a hurry because for Nebraska to be good, they need Adrian Martinez to be good. And, um, and I think the, the good news is, you know, reports this week in practice is, um, you know, they, everybody's bounced back well, particularly Adrian. And, you know, Verduce, Mario Verdusco said that uh, he gave his guys 24 hours to kind of, you know, pout about that loss. And then it was time to turn the page. And by all accounts, they've done that. And they need Adrian to be significantly better if they're going to go on the road and win this game. Well, the funny thing is it, it felt like a loss, but it wasn't a loss. I mean, they still they still won by 14 points. But Our message board felt like a loss. Well, jeez, yeah, geez, yeah <laughs> the scrolls. That was Nationally, yeah. I mean, the perception. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people are picking against Nebraska now this week because of that showing. Well, the point it, spread dropped four points. Exactly, already. yeah. Like at, at, the, at the drop of a hat, that point spread moved quite a bit, even though Colorado didn't necessarily have a dominating win, I would say, against Colorado State. But – 
Um, yeah, the, just what, right when you think you're to the point where you might blow out an opponent that you're probably supposed to blow out and that you're going to see a bunch of younger guys or reserves kind of get some time. And, you know, we're talking about, well, how many guys are going to play in the second half and everything. The four-game rule's yeah. great for day <laughs> like today. You get brought down to reality <laughs> real quick because, yeah, this team, you know, although I think they've taken a lot of strides forward, they've still got a lot of a lot of work to, to be done yet. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I do think that – you know, after talking with the players and hearing them speak about last week's preparation, you know, it, it sounds like practice wasn't necessarily as crisp as it had been or, or should have been. Um, but I do think they're they're pretty focused and and things have been, you know, maybe they're they're operating with a little bit more sense of urgency this week, and which is good because they're going to need it. This, this is going to be a tough test in Boulder. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as uh, game two of this series, uh, they, they'll play two more times in the 20s as well, but it really has brought back a lot of memories um, when you kind of look at what this series is going to be and what this series has been. And I wrote a couple of things this week about the history for me. I mean, you you look at Colorado-Nebraska. from you know The 2001 game is one I'll never forget because since that day, Nebraska football has only been ranked in the top five for a total of one week. And, you know, we're going on 18, 19 years um, since that Black Friday loss in Boulder. Um, so there's been a lot of memorable moments. The Alex Henry field goal to win it. The classic Halloween win in Lincoln where Nebraska just blew the doors off them. The, the Brooke Barringer cordell Stewart uh, matchup where Brooke came in and led him to victory when nobody thought he could match up against that loaded Colorado team. And he just played a, a flawless football game. Um, I mean, you can go down the line. I mean, there's just so many memories, guys with Colorado, Nebraska, and I think everybody is having a lot of fun just kind of, you know, remembering what this series was. Yeah, Sean, maybe you can later touch more on the Restore the Order game. <laughs> that, that that one always brings back say. memories. Uh, but for, for me, the one is the most recent time, the last time we were all out there, uh, 2009, uh, when uh, Nebraska again was um, – you know they 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 ended up winning that game 28-20 and uh, they had to stop the game in the middle of it and remove an entire section of the student section for throwing stuff onto the field after repeated warnings which was bizarre in itself and then i also remember before that game that was also the day that tiger woods got uh, in like that car crash or his wife like hit his car with a golf God, club or something that like long that ago. yeah and so like that was just one of the weirdest days that uh, you know, ended in a win for Nebraska, but you know, it's uh, still sticks in my mind very, very vividly. Yeah, the, I, I think the biggest memory I have, and there's a lot, but I think the most vivid one is is the uh, the Alex Henry game, the Indomitian Sioux pick where Cody Hawkins, <laughs> where he basically grabbed his just, leg. Yeah, he just basically just spiked Cody Hawkins into the ground and stomped on him, and then he <laughs> scores and then throws the football uh, against the. You know, against the the chain link there. Well, Sean, uh, we were standing right in that corner. Remember uh, when when Sue was running into the end zone for that, and he threw them. He spikes the ball against the wall, and they're oh great, now they're gonna throw a flag. And they just didn't throw a flag, even though like that was like the big emphasis on celebration and like yeah. having no fun and spiking. I thought that was ninety nine's a random one too. I mean, Nebraska um, was really good in ninety nine, and Colorado came in and like with Craig Oaks and just played a flawless game and. He marched them down, and they went for two to take the lead. And then Nebraska had to, like, march back. And, you know, I think it was 99. Yeah. Um, and so like Bobby Newcomb made, like, yeah, a sideline catch. And, and Bobby Newcomb had, like, kind of – it might have been 2000. It was 2000. 
because the even numbers were in Lincoln, the odds were in Boulder. So the 2000 game was that year when Craig Oaks played flawless. And Nuke, right, 34-32 in 2000. And, and Josh Brown kicked a game-winning field goal. And Newcomb yep. had like kind of just two walk-off catches. And he was kind of disgruntled, I remember, in his career, you know, just how things turned and he wasn't the quarterback. And it was senior day for him. And he didn't even talk to the press. I remember he just kind of left the stadium at that point. He was done. I'll never forget that for some reason. Just because Bobby had such a huge impact on that win – and he wanted nothing to do with even talking about it to the media in his final moment in Memorial Stadium. Yeah, that one definitely stands out. And uh, what what uh, there was the other one, Corey Ross. Was Corey Ross the 05 game when like he had that like, big time? Uh, I can't remember how many. Well, Zach yards Taylor went off in 05, and then the Restore the Order game with the T-shirts and you know Jay Terry kind of made up T-shirts and Bill Callahan wanted him to wear them, and they were like two touchdown underdogs in 05. And yep. for I mean, it took some major the twenty to three. Was that? It was bigger than that. I mean, it, and 05 was 30 to 3. 30 to 3, that's right. And they were like a 16 point dog, and they just boat raced. Yeah, that's why Colorado. I remember it so much. And then, uh, of course, who could forget the uh, 2007, the 65 to 51 shootout where Nate Swift and Todd Peterson almost broke like every single game record, and Joe Gans went nuts, and they still lost. My Scor- final scored 51 points and lost. My final conversation <laughs> with Bill Callahan was on the field that day. I was my in my only year as the sideline reporter for the Husker Sports Network. I was somehow removed the next year, but I interviewed Callahan at halftime, and he had his hood on, and like I mean, he was like a boxer doing like a bounce and a weave, and I mean, he, he Callahan had just kind of went off the rails, and he he went all whites that day. Um, I remember Mark Bame, the former um, assistant athletic director, the, the department at Nebraska had no idea Nebraska was wearing all whites. And Bame goes, we're wearing the all whites? Like, I mean, Callahan was just like, we're pulling out all the stops. And they should have won that game. It was um, Dan Hawkins' first year, and Hawkins' team played Saban in, in, the, in the bowl game later on that year. But we can talk all day, guys. we got to keep the show moving. And when we come back, um, we're going to talk more offensive storylines, snap issues, and delve more into Adrian Martinez, Brees Washington, and more next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, I think with, with Cam, it, it was a matter of not getting reps. Uh, you know, he missed quite a bit of training camp, and because it's like shooting free throws or any other athletic movement, if you've done it a million times, it's second nature, and we're certainly going to be taking a look at it and working on it. But I've personally never been a center. That's one area of uh, football I don't know a whole lot about. I think everyone that goes to play football here is going to have a pretty big microscope on them, so uh, that's just something i got to get used to, and I've kind of had to deal with that throughout high school. So, I mean, I'm not worried about outside noises. It's just everything going on within the team and listening to what my coaches and trainers tell me, and that's what I'm going to be worried about. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with five locations in Omaha, one here in Lincoln. Get on into Tanner's Watch Nebraska, Colorado. They'll have it on all of their TV. So if you're not one of the tens of thousands that are going to be in Boulder, uh, Tanner's would be a great spot to, to post up all day and watch all the college football action. But you heard from Scott Frost, guys, uh, Nate Klaus, Robin Washett here. Um, about uh, Cam Jurgens in the center position for Nebraska and the struggles they had. And, you know, typically week two of the season, we're not talking about the center, but the center was a huge issue um, as far as the snaps, the timing of the snaps, the blocking, all of it was about as disastrous as you could really draw up for the first game. And, and all of a sudden, the microscope and the pressure now 
on Cam Jurgens, on Scott Frost, on this coaching staff has ramped up, and a lot of it had to do with maybe some of the snaps and plays by the center. Yeah, I mean, I think that was probably the most obvious misfunction of the dysfunction of uh, the offensive line, uh, and it really, I think, had a lot to do with some of Adrian's struggles because I think that was a an unexpected thing he had to adjust to, and it threw him off a little bit. Uh, and really kind of had a ripple effect uh, on, on the entire offense. And so uh, that clearly is right up there at the very top of the list of things that need to be addressed. They have to be addressed. If Cam Jurgens is going to be your starting center, he has to snap the ball, and he has to snap the ball consistently to where you are no, you're not a liability out there. And I guess the good news, um, you know, following up off that this week is, you know, uh, Mario Verduzco talked uh, and said that from what he's seen, there's only been like maybe one or two noticeably bad snaps from Jurgens, and otherwise he's been pretty consistent in putting it to where it needs to be. And he also noted that there were a couple times in that game uh, on Saturday where, where Adrian was jumping for the ball even though he didn't need to. The snap was actually okay, but because Adrian was just kind of you know rattled a little bit and you know expecting the, the ball to go anywhere. You know, he was jumping and throwing himself out of rhythm, uh, regardless of the accuracy of the snap. So um, that is something that obviously, you know, they got to get that fixed before you can even begin to address all the other issues that are going on up front. Yeah, I mean, that's how the play starts. And, and I think it got into Martinez's head there. And, and you think about everything that he's got to be thinking about. He's got to have his eyes in the right spot, reading certain keys. He's got to have his footwork uh, be particular, you know, and, and, and be set up certain ways, depending on what the play call is. And, and then all of a sudden, when you're dealing with not knowing exactly what's going to happen with the snap before all that stuff can happen, I, I think it does get you out of a rhythm and probably started screwing with his head a little bit. And, and you know, probably did miss some, some reads and, and his feet probably weren't in the right spot sometimes. And um, so yeah, you hope that that's something that is that is completely corrected. And as you know, as far as Cam Jurgens goes, I, I've got faith that that he can do it, that he can correct it. He's a terrific athlete. He's been in the spotlight, and like you said, in the 15. open. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's had a lot of pressure on him before. Now, obviously, this is a new type of pressure. Uh, and that was his first game ever playing a brand new position on the offensive line in front of ninety thousand people. So I'm sure that had something to do with it too. But uh, you, you definitely want to see that that area or that problem be corrected heading into week two. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, and someone else to watch this week will be the impact of Maurice Washington. Played just 15 snaps last week against South Alabama, was suspended for the first half. Um, we did find out this week that, um, shocker, his court date has been moved again uh, to October. Um, so con they're continuing to kind of delay the process of that you know, Scott Frost in Nebraska, I think nationally on the outside, they've taken some flack for this decision, um, but I think there's much more to it. And a lot of these national people, in my opinion, aren't educated in everything that's gone on and what's going on with this whole story and situation. They just see a couple words in the story and they react. Um, and I have no doubt if, if there was a reason why he shouldn't be playing, Nebraska would have him on the bench right now. And um, I think he's going to make a big difference this week. Oh, yeah, without quite, he made a big difference as soon as he saw the field uh, in the third quarter. All of a sudden, they got, they got some production out of that running game. I and mean, we only carried the ball six times, but I think he had, what, like three or four fewer yards than Dedrick Mills on 15 carries. So uh, he is a instant impact playmaker. And as 
uh, dynamic of a playmaker as they have on this offense. And so having him for a full four quarters uh, without question is going to provide a boost to that offense. But um, you know, to your point on the, the, the backlash Nebraska may have gotten, if it actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I know there were a couple uh, headline, clickbait headlines out there, you know, trying to, trying to drag Nebraska for – for playing him and some Alabama media, I know tweeted some stuff about um, you know criticizing that that decision to play him, but the you know the reality is in Nebraska it was in a very tough spot, and if they would have just gone with the mob and suspended him for week one, you are setting precedent and. Uh, everyone, like you said, Sean, no one was shocked at that court date once again, as it has all spring and all summer, got pushed back once again. Uh, had they suspended him, then you have to basically suspend him all the way through October or October 15th or whatever it is. Uh, and so, I mean, you know, for a guy that hasn't actually been found guilty of anything, that's a pretty significant punishment for a felony that is really only a felony in the state of California. And he's basically being used as an example for this new law that just got put into place. And again, they're just charges. The I mean, two boys in the video. Yeah, who actually committed the crime. Were charged with misdemeanors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there's this whole thing uh, that uh, people forget about, about our, the American justice system, is that you are innocent until proven guilty. And Maurice Washington has not been proven guilty on anything. And so for Nebraska to punish him for, as they predicted, uh, a significant part of a season, uh, I think would be unfair. And again, would set bad precedent that you would put yourself, um, you know, kind of handcuff yourself uh, if you were to just follow the mob right away. Yeah. And I'll agree. I mean, for the people outside of probably our, our market, uh, that, that just read the charges, it's, it sounds bad. It looks bad. Uh, but if you actually know more about the story, know more about what what the you know how how things played out or, or whatever, uh, I mean it's it's very it's a bizarre situation. The whole thing is is really kind of uncharted territory. Uh, like you said, Robin, it's a brand new law, and it's only a law in in California or or what I mean, it's a or California is one of only a few mm -hmm. states that even has that that type of law. So. Um, I mean, it's is not as bad as as what it may look on the on the surface. So I'm not surprised that there's some national media that kind of jumped on that and, and wanted to get some you know put some clickbait out there or whatever, or wanted to to kind of have a hot take on on Nebraska winning at all costs or whatever you want to say. It's not about like it. he posted it on YouTube. I mean, it, it, it's I mean they're charging him like he, he was distributing. Yeah pornography which i mean it's way out of line i mean when you when you kind of delve into what it all is what he did was wrong but to, to have him be charged as a felony for this i mean it, it's in california's made a bigger deal out of this than it needs to be and now there's some pressure on them to deliver something on their side of the so this thing is not over yet by any means and it will be interesting to see um kind of what direction it takes next but guys when we come back we're gonna talk about the black shirts they forced five turnovers last week in south alabama um, we'll get some thoughts on kind of the gains some of these guys made and maybe some questions we have now going out to Colorado. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Experts always say the biggest improvements between game one and game two, and I know we'll improve, uh, but this is going to be a big test. I mean, Colorado's a good football team. They pose a lot of problems, so we've got to be super, super sharp. And I think having that first game where you have some success on defense, but you also have a lot of things to fix, kind of lets everybody know, hey, we're, we haven't arrived. We're not there. We need to dial this thing back, or it's going to be a long day on Saturday. So I, I'm glad for the success. I'm also glad of some things that we need to get corrected. And welcome back here to the Husker Lions Show. Sean Callahan, 
Nate Klaus, Robin Washed, as you just heard from Eric Shenander with the old-fashioned saying, you make your biggest improvement from game one to game two. Well, heck of a game one for Nebraska, guys. Um, five forced turnovers. We saw the first defensive touchdowns in over 15 games for Nebraska. I believe Marcus Newby um, against Northwestern was the last time Nebraska had a defensive score, and that was in Mike Riley's final season. Um, so the defense showed up. They showed up big. We saw guys last week that really weren't even expected to make plays, make plays. Eric Lee, Alex Davids, um, you know, guys that you just didn't necessarily have on your radar for sure. So a lot of encouraging things. Still some things, though, jumped out to me. Um, Nebraska gave up 15 first downs, a lot of third down conversions by South Alabama. Um, you know, some coverage bust and breakdowns by the safety, um, Markel Smuke, particularly on the back end, um, communication type things. So there was a lot of good, um, but there's some things definitely that Colorado could expose this week if Nebraska doesn't get it cleaned up on the back end. Yeah, I think the biggest issue was uh, communication. And that was, I think, one of the things that um, I believe it was Muhammad Barry mentioned that uh, guys just weren't being demonstrative, as he said, enough with making calls and adjustments before snaps. And therefore, you know, basically at yeah, South Alabama had guys getting wide open because there was a breakdown in coverage and guys were getting lost. And uh, when you look early in the game, there was a few instances where South Alabama just missed big plays where guys were running wide open. And if it would have been a better thrown ball or uh, the timing would have been just a little bit better, it would probably have been a touchdown if not a big gain. So, uh, you know, that is clearly something that if that happens again, Colorado is going to take advantage with the weapons they have with LaVisca Chenault, who might be one of the best, if not the best wide receivers in all of college football. Uh, and then Steven Montez, who's a dynamic dual threat quarterback, you know, Nebraska is going to be up against it. And uh, you know, they're going to give up yards. They're going to give up points. Uh, but the question is, can they make those game changing plays once again? And so from the positive side of last week, uh, that is obviously uh, far and away the biggest step forward that we saw from last year. I mean, they were all over the field. They uh, brought a lot of different pressures. They got decent pressure from their front. You know, it wasn't overwhelming, but their blitzes that they did with the defensive backs, particularly, and even some linebackers, they got home. And if they weren't getting sacks or making sack fumbles, uh, they were throwing off. Uh, I mean, that quarterback was getting hit and hit a lot. And I think that eventually took its toll as the game wore on. And so, you remember back to last year when uh, that Colorado game, that was maybe the best pass rush performance Nebraska had all season. I mean, they were all over Steven Montez in that game. And you know that that's the recipe once again. If you let Montez sit back there and let LaVisca Chenault have time to run and, and find a hole in the coverage, you're going to be in for a long day. So it's going to be up to not only that front seven, but you know some of those uh, blitz packages with you know the Cam Taylors and Lamar Jacksons or whatever it may be. Those not, not only need to be as effective, but they need to get home and they need to create big plays off of them. Yeah, Nebraska had, I think, seven sacks on Montez last year, which was unreal. Um, a lot of it was Colorado's offensive line. Yeah, yeah, those guys were not very solid up front. And it was interesting to me with the defensive performance because on one hand you did have guys making those plays, and I feel like it's been a long time since we've watched a Nebraska defense and, and – is seeing those guys make those plays. I feel like forever we've been watching guys like, oh, they were so close to making a play, or, or it was right there, but they couldn't, you know, they, they dropped the interception or whatever. But, um, you know, it was, it was um, you know, it was good to see those guys make those plays. But on the other hand, then you had times on third down. I think there was like a third and 22 or something like that, um, you know, third and long on a couple different cases where, 
you mean all you had to do was make you know keep it keep it the guy in front of you or whatever you know and and they couldn't get off the field and, and it's those types of plays I think that that um, you know could be could be could be the difference between a win and a loss in Boulder this weekend and you look at Colorado guys I think at last year I mean Nebraska studied the personnel but players like LaVisca Chenault I don't even think Nebraska had any idea how good he was getting I mean if, I don't think at this time last year we were talking about Chenault being a first round pick no no um, but by about a month into the season last year after Nebraska then you you realize how good he was He's not going to surprise anybody. I mean, Nebraska is going to have a stricter, tailor-made game plan. Eric Schneider said it's going to be like, where's Waldo? Where's LaVisca? Um, you know, they, they have to keep eyes on him, whether that means having a safety over the top of him at all times. Um, but he is the guy that could change this game and, and really try to um, create some matchup problems for Nebraska on the back end. Well, and you have to keep an eye on him because they move him around and do so many different things with him. I mean, they'll line him up wide on the perimeter, put him in the slot, uh, line him up in the backfield as a running back, uh, even put him at some like hybrid tight end positions. Uh, and so they do anything possible to get him open and get him the football and, you know, for good reason. So, uh, yeah, that's why before every play, they need to know where number two is on the field and make sure that he is accounted for because if they give him any daylight whatsoever, Montez is going to find him and Chanel's going to get, and he's a big dude. So it's going to, if they get a one-on-one tackling situation, he's probably going to win those situations more often than not. So not only do they have to know where he is, they got to fly to him and they got to gang tackle and give uh, whoever's covering him as much help as possible to bring him down. Cause uh, he's a game changer. We saw that last year. I mean, there were some one-on-one battles where, you know, as good a coverage as DiCaprio Boodle had, he couldn't compete with him one-on-one and Chenault was just winning all of those 50, 50 deep passes. And, it changed the course of the game. And so you can guarantee Colorado's going to try and exploit that as much as possible once again, and Nebraska better have an answer. Yeah, he's played some wildcat quarterback, especially down uh, in the in the red zone. Um, it's interesting because he's built more like a running back, yeah. I feel like, than, than a, a natural wide receiver. But, but he can do so many different things for you. Um, you know, the other interesting thing is, is it's not just going to be the LaVisca Chenault show. Uh, they're going to try to establish a ground game, too. And and that's one thing that a lot of the coaches have talked about this week is that they are definitely dedicated to getting the ground game going. Using tight ends and again. Using two tight ends, and, and they're physical up front. And, um, you know, and, and I think that it's going to present a challenge to, to the defensive front, really that front seven, um, to, to not only get to Montez and make him feel uncomfortable if he's passing the football, but, but also shutting down the run, which is you talk to Tony Tuioti, and that is their number one goal for that defensive line is is to to limit the run and and to to not get you know not get teams get going on the ground. They want to be a more physical program over time, and it makes sense when you study Mel Tucker and who his coaching mentors are. He played for Barry Alvarez, um, and he he's worked with Nick Saban um, for n- multiple different programs in the college r- ranks, and then he worked with Kirby Smart as well. So you know he he has worked in. And played under guys that that want to be a pro, like a physical style offense with a great defense, and and that's what he's going to go to. I, I think Colorado has tried to be the spread program the last 10, 15 plus years, and they haven't really gone anywhere with that. You know, they were more of a pro style team when they had all their success years ago under Bill McCartney and Rick Neuheisel, and um, I think that's the direction he wants to go. I question if it's the right move immediately for them with the personnel they currently have. Um, so it, it will be interesting. Uh, guys just to kind of see um, how it all shakes out when you kind of look at the personnel because there are some matchup issues for Nebraska 
um, that concern you for their defense going into Saturday. But when we come back, Husker Online intern Grace Harmon will join us in studio. We'll take your questions in the mailbag next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Why didn't you stay home? Why, why are you going to be a corn husker? You know, just the service level kind of disses, but you know, I, I know what I signed up for. I came here for the tradition. I came here to win a Big Ten championship and to become the best football player I could possibly become. So, you know, uh, it's, it's just another game. Obviously, being from Colorado, it's it's definitely something that you know I've I've had a lot of talk. I've been talked to a lot about uh, about it from some people back home and. You know, I'm just excited, you know, to kind of shift my focus to that game. And, you know, there there will be a lot more distractions, specifically being from there. But, you know, again, I'm just going to zone all those out. And, uh, you know, we're just going to go keep attacking. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Nate Klaus, and Grace Harmon, as you just heard from JoJo Dolman and Jack Stoll, two Colorado natives, two of the three uh, that will be in starting-type roles for Nebraska here on Saturday, but as we move on, it's time for the mailbag, Grace, and, and lots of things to get to this week. What do you have to start us out with? Yeah, well, what noticeable changes do you guys expect to see from last week to this week? I just think a more level of fo- the, the, the level of focus, and I think that's going to be everything. And then Maurice Washington. I think I think Maurice Washington coming in um, as the starter is going to make the offense look better. Um, you would hope the defense is going to have a better grasp of what Colorado is going to do offensively as well because of the new coaching staff. They at least have have one game to watch now of them yeah I mean I just think the overall offensive execution and in particular I think they're going to have better success in the run game I think that has to be a bigger priority and um, you know maybe uh, with with having more threat of a passing game uh, Colorado won't have the luxury of loading the box the way South Alabama did and uh, that can create some more opportunities especially with Maurice being back for that running game to get going and balance that thing out a little bit more I just think an overall sense of urgency. Um, you know, I, I, th- I felt like at times, at least last week against South Alabama, things seemed to be pretty casual. Um, and, and I don't know if that's because Nebraska felt like they were going to just walk right in and and just, you know, put hang 50 on South Alabama or what. But I, I think there's definitely going to be a sense of uh, urgency this week. All right. Well, which player surprised you the most last Saturday and who still has some work to do? I don't know. I mean, if there was just Eric Lee, I think would be the easy one just because from not really ever having a huge impact to going to having the highest grade ever on pro football focus since we've been getting the grades. I mean, he, has, he was a 97.3 out of 100 on pro football focus, which is the highest grade I've seen in the seven, eight years of data we have. And I think he was graded out maybe as the highest defensive back in the country last week. Well, it wasn't that he just got that grade off a handful of plays, too. I mean, he played basically the majority of the game over 50 snaps yeah so I mean that, that was the story of the the game in a lot of ways was was his breakout performance but uh my biggest surprise is Eli Sullivan um Eric Lee's backup so the backup to the backup at safety the walk-on coming in and not only you know playing well but he looked good uh, I mean he was making some plays and showing some athleticism that I personally didn't think he had and um you know depending on what happens with Deontay Williams going forward you know he, he's still very much questionable at this point um, Eli's probably going to have to play and play, uh, probably play some significant snaps against Colorado. So hopefully he can keep that up. Yeah, I'll stick with the defensive backs. I agree with both you guys, by the way, is my <laughs> usual stance uh, by the time it gets to me. But I, I will go with uh, Cam Taylor Britt. Um, although it's not a not a major surprise, we knew that he was somewhat of a play.
playmaker, but we'd been hearing all of all fall camp how this is a guy that could play literally every position in the in the back end of the defense, and and that he's kind of the even though he's not a starter necessarily, he's kind of the captain type of player voice back there. Well, he came in and I mean he he made play after play after play all day long, and for a three star prospect that was a quarterback out of high school I just continue to be amazed by how well Nebraska did and kind of projecting and evaluating his talents all right what do you have next Grace all right well what can you guys expect crowd wise on Saturday I think it's going to be as big of a showing as we've seen in a while on the road for a number of reasons um Colorado doesn't have a lot of season ticket holders so that means there's more single game tickets to get and when you go to Ohio State when you go to Wisconsin you go to Penn State Iowa other Big Ten venues it's harder for Nebraska fans to get tickets because they already have a big season ticket base where there just aren't a lot of single ticket sales. And it was ultimate panic mode by Colorado's leadership because they know that they only have about 15,000 season ticket holders. Well, there's 35,000 seats in that stadium. So, you know, they're, you know, Nebraska is the one fan base that can really come in there and take over that place. And I think it's the worst nightmare for recruiting for years later. If Nebraska comes in there and lays a huge crowd in that stadium, it takes it over, say Nebraska wins, um, I think it's going to be over 20,000, 25,000, guys. Well, especially when you add the fact that it's drivable. It's a destination game. Uh, it's got the nostalgia of being a former Big 12, Big 8 uh, road trip that fans you know, made every other year for decades. Uh, you know, that, so there's a lot uh, going into that where this is a game Nebraska fans have had marked on their calendar for a long time. And, uh, you know, given you know, what, what this season potentially could be or should be for Nebraska, there's even that added momentum behind that. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a full on red invasion. And despite the uh, the no red in Folsom Field, the, the red out or whatever they called it, where keep the red out. Uh, I think that's going to be a uh, kind of pointless, fruitless effort on Colorado's part that uh, you're going to see at least half that stadium in red. Yeah, it's going to be pretty funny, actually. I think when we look back at that keep the red out deal. I just got the red more mad. Yeah, what exactly. Happened. It really did. Don't challenge Nebraska fans about <laughs> attending things. Cause our, <laughs> online, our online polls. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are two things that Nebraska fans will always win. Always. Um, it, the, aside from the nostalgia, you know, I, I think – Growing up in Western Nebraska, this was always a game that we all circled because it was easier to get to yeah, Boulder closer than it was to drive to Lincoln for the game. And so, if you wanted to see the Huskers, you were you were making your way out to Boulder to catch them. Uh, you know when they were playing out there because it was just easier. It's only a couple hours away instead of driving four or five hours. So, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of Nebraska fans out there. Um, and, and honestly, I can't wait to see just how many actually show up. All right, we got time for about two more questions, Grace. What do you have? All right, guys. Well, what is your biggest concern heading into week two? My concern still is that interior of the offensive line. I think we knew Gerald Foster and Tanner Farmer were going to be you know, guys that weren't going to just be overnight guys you could replace. But I think maybe it was more work than we even realized if we're watching week one. Trent Hickson and... Uh, you know, the center position, whether, you know, it's Farniak or Juergens, there was just a lot there that set several things back on the offense. And, and until we see marketable improvement on the field with those guys, you know, that's going to be a concern for me. Yeah, so the offense is obvious. Uh, I mean, you can pick a number of different elements on that side of the ball and say that's a concern. But uh, you go back to last week, and yes, the defense made a lot of plays I and mean, big-time turnovers and all that stuff. But – there were also a lot of plays where had a pass been more accurate or, uh, you know, the receiver, you know, 
they run out of pass or whatever it may be. South Alabama had the opportunity to make big plays or even score touchdowns. And so those types of plays are going to be made by Colorado. LaVisca Chenault and those other wide receivers, they're going to make those plays. Steven Montez is going to make those throws. And so those mental breakdowns, they cannot happen because you're not going to catch as many breaks as you did against South Alabama because Colorado was too potent of an offensive unit to, to let you get away with too many of those. Yeah, to me, it's it's LaVisca Chenault. And um, you know that he, he he's good enough. He's going to get his. But I think you have to find a way to not let him beat you alone uh, because he can if you let him. But I think I think just – limiting him not necessarily shutting him down but but limiting him um you know and not allowing him to to single-handedly beat you is is probably the biggest concern in my opinion all right final question all right guys what's the past road trip that you missed the most you know guys there's a lot for me on this one um because we've been to a lot now i mean i've traveled 20 years covering nebraska um, but the, the in the big eight big 12 I just miss those trips down to Texas like late in the year. You'd get to go down and start to get cooler here in Nebraska, but there would always be one like November, early November trip down to Oklahoma, down to somewhere in Texas, and you'd bring your, you'd pack your shorts, and I'm going to wear my shorts one more time this year, and um, you know, you'd get some good Texas barbecue down south somewhere. So I, I still kind of miss getting the chance to go to Texas because we don't get to go to Texas that much anymore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the warm weather breaks were nice, but – for me, it was always that uh, every other year trip to Colorado. And so coming this Saturday is going to be sweet. You know, I, I love Colorado. I, I lived out there for a year. I uh, love Boulder, even though the people, you know, I could give or take. <laughs> that area of the country is absolutely beautiful. It's a great setting for college football. And so th- that's one that I would love to make a lot more often than just once every eight or nine years or whatever it's been. Yeah, I, I think it's just the – pick Colorado, pick KU, K-State, Iowa State, just the the close drivable games. The day trips to Manhattan or Ames. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and they're all, I mean, for the most part, they're all pretty pretty fun places to go have a good time and and whatnot. So, uh, I mean, those are probably the ones that – that I miss the most, uh, but but I'm not as lucky as you guys. You don't get to travel all, to all the all the cool places you guys get. To I go. miss bowl trips. Not going on one yeah. last two years. <laughs> yeah, let's get let's get back to doing that. Yeah, about, yeah. I haven't had a Christmas vacation in a while. <laughs> all right. Well, Grace, that wraps it up for the mailbag. We'll see you in Colorado. Uh, yeah, I'll see you there. All right. When we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting, including the Husker staff will be out in Colorado. We'll get Nate's thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think it's a good scene for college football. Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a pretty scene. Uh, there's a lot of pageantry around it, particularly when it uh, involves Nebraska and, and Colorado. I uh, played there once as a player. I think I've coached there three times uh, at Kansas State and at Oregon twice. Um, so I'm pretty used to it and comfortable with it. It's a fun place to play. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we're getting you ready for Saturday's Nebraska-Colorado game. It's a 2.30 Fox national television uh, kick. But, Nate, let's talk some recruiting. And I want to go to this right away because Nebraska's coaches were not out last weekend to see in-state games. I'm not even sure if they could because it wasn't September yet. Were they allowed to even go out? No, I, you, I think it's it's September 1st is when you, when you can start the evaluation period, which – Includes being able to go to a to a live athletic event. So they will this weekend. Nebraska will get out to Colorado. Um, you know they'll, they'll land early evening, and I don't know if the coaches that are going to be out at high school games are going to go out even earlier on like an earlier flight out. 
Uh, but a number of Nebraska coaches are going to go watch some local area Colorado high school games on Friday. Um, any insight on maybe a couple targets that you know they're zoning in on? Uh, Barrett Root handles the state of Colorado for Nebraska. Yeah, Barrett Root handles recruiting Colorado and, and has really done a, a very good job there. Uh, you know, there's a couple guys I think in this 2020 class that they've missed out on, uh, you know, one to Notre Dame, one to Washington. Uh, but but for the most part, I think you know Barrett's his recruiting efforts in the Colorado in the Colorado area have been well received, and I and I know that one guy that they're definitely going to be checking in on is uh, 2021 Rivals 250 offensive tackle Trey Zoon, uh, who was actually at the game this past weekend, um, has now unofficially visited Nebraska, f- I think four times now. Um, so he's very familiar with Lincoln, and, and, and Nebraska was actually the first team to offer him, and now he's got about 14, 15 offers from the likes of Ohio State and Texas A&M, and uh, I mean, pretty much every, almost uh, you know, a major power from every single conference has now offered him. Now, the, the key here with him is, or the interesting part about it is that his sister is a true freshman on uh, the Nebraska volleyball team. She was an All-America, parade All-American, uh, middle hitter, outside hitter, and John Cook, uh, you know, got her to, to come to Nebraska. So he's going to be in Lincoln quite a bit this fall and, and, you know, and probably next year too, watching his sister play volleyball, which is good for the Huskers. Um, and, and I think the, they're kind of putting the full court press on, on Trey Zoon. And so that's definitely a name out of Colorado to pay attention to. But you look at this roster, Nate, there's nine different players that played their high school football in Colorado. I want to ask you this because – um, both Eric Lee and Avery Anderson, you know, they were in Colorado, but they don't list Colorado as their home state anymore. And I know you're very close to both those guys and their families. Did they? What, did they just don't want to be Coloradoans anymore? Well, no, neither one of them were born in Colorado. It was just a, a, a so, stopping type. Yeah, deal. so I, I think that's why they don't list Colorado as their home. Yeah, they graduated high school in Colorado, but um, Eric Lee was born in Massachusetts. Avery Anderson was born in Arizona. Um, and both those guys lived, um, you know, Lee lived out in, on the East Coast for a number of years before they moved to Colorado. Same with Avery Anderson. Uh, they lived in, in Phoenix for a long time uh, before his dad, who's in the Air Force, moved to Colorado Springs uh, and worked uh, at the Air Force Academy there. So, you know, that's that's kind of why they're they're technically they're from Colorado. They graduated high school from there, but that's why they don't list Colorado as their home on the roster. So you look at nine guys that have come out of that state. Um, I mean, it really comes out to almost two per year. Wine, Wine Masters a walk on um, of that group, um, but still, when you think about almost two per year, how important is it? Nebraska keeps getting you know one to two quality guys from Colorado every year. I think it's huge. I mean, that's that's been a state obviously that Nebraska's traditionally had a lot of. Uh, a lot of good luck recruiting, and they've gotten some some really good players out of Colorado. And Corey Ross, Jeremiah Searles. Yeah, I mean the. I mean, I mean even you can go back to. I mean Pierre Allen was a really good player. Ended up being a really good player for Nebraska. Josh Davis is Colorado. Yeah, guy. I mean um, there's a lot of there's a lot of good players that have come out of there over the years, and um, and I do think it's important that you continually pull one or two guys out of there each and every cycle, and I think it's very possible to do. Uh, it's getting a little bit more difficult. This 2020 class. I think is was really really deep, um, and you're seeing you know you're seeing Michigan, you're seeing Notre Dame, Washington, Oregon, really Arizona State. Um, you know those are those are all programs. Um, you know, in addition to probably ten or fifteen others that that are recruiting Colorado 
harder and harder um, along with Nebraska. So uh, the the competition is is becoming a little bit more stout. And then of course you've got Colorado and Mel Tucker who are they're, they're trying to keep their guys at home too. And um, you know obviously every new coach and every new coaching staff that's they say that's one of their goals. But it does look like this particular coaching staff is is trying a little bit more uh, hard than than some some previous ones now Nebraska Nate as well picked up a 2021 commit this past week RJ Sorensen out of Florida um, I saw two is he six four or six five he's he's I mean he's probably a legit six four uh, after seeing him in person he was at the the big red barbecue in June uh, and he, to me he looked about six four maybe a little over six four um, you know, so I, I, I will say he's approaching six, five, he's probably not quite six, five, but he's pretty darn close. So, uh, I mean, a 21 guy, I mean, he sounds like a solid prospect, but it, I mean, it's kind of hard to get too excited yet, but I mean, good, a good, a good guy to get in the class. Well, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, and here's the deal. He fits the profile for what Nebraska wants along their defensive line. He's, he's, he's near six, five, he's 250 pounds already. Um, and Tony Tuioti said just this past week that, you know, finding guys that can play end and move inside a nose guard along Nebraska's uh, three-man front is very hard to do. And, and I think that um, they feel like R.J. Sorensen is a kid who's going to continue to grow and develop. And by the time he's a senior, he's going to be 6'5", 290, um, more cut out of the mold of a, of a Ty Robinson type of body build where he, he is going to have some flexibility and some versatility there along that defensive front and, and be a guy who can not only play against a run but is athletic enough to get after the quarterback too. So, um, you know, this is a guy who just recently transferred from Willington High School to University School there in the Fort Lauderdale area. Nebraska, Javon DeWitt and, and some other coaches, they knew about him. Um, they were able to evaluate him in the spring in person and they uh, they got him on campus in June, and, and you know they he checked all the boxes, and so they said this is the guy we want, and they continued to push hard for it, and and they secured his commitment on September first, which was the first day that you can technically uh, initiate contact with uh, with juniors in high school. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Nate. As we kind of wrap it up this last weekend, you got a chance to see two different um, Nebraska high school football games uh, on Thursday night. You saw Lincoln Southeast Omaha Burke, particularly. Um, Isaac Gifford, you had the little Tuioti on the field, uh, kind of a guy to watch for Nebraska. And then on Friday, Bellevue West, who's loaded uh, with skill, I mean loaded, um, and particularly Nebraska commit Xavier Betts. Yeah, well, first of all, Isaac Gifford, um, I, you know, I was impressed with, with what he did. He's probably the, I mean, early on, out of the two games that I've seen so far, he's by far and away the most physical, hardest hitter that I've seen. Uh, he had some licks there against some Burke, uh, you know, ball carriers that, that you know, were, were you know, made the, the pads definitely pop. And guys were definitely going backwards. Uh, so he's not as big as Luke, his older brother. Uh, but he's he's probably you know as far as height goes I, I should say but he's put together a little bit better I think he's a little thicker and he's he's definitely faster plays just as physical so they've got different body types but uh, he plays safety probably more of a linebacker in college and then Xavier Betts first of all you said it Bellevue West is absolutely loaded I mean they've got a standout at probably almost every single position uh, on their football team they, they've got guys and especially at wide receiver they're probably four or five deep uh, at least and. And so and a couple of their really good players didn't even play, and they, they put it on Lincoln High 63-6. to six. So, But I will say this about Xavier Betts. 
He's probably the most elite wide receiver skill position guy that I've seen come out of Nebraska. Since Niles Paul? Probably, yeah, since Niles Paul. And 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 it's not even close. I don't think there's anybody in the state that really compares to him. He's 6'3", 190, um, and, and has the speed to really stretch the field vertically. Uh, but he's elusive too in the open field. He can take a short tunnel screen and and make guys miss, and then and then break it eighty yards for a touchdown. I mean, he's he's just a matchup problem. So uh, Nebraska is getting a big time, big time player in, in Xavier Betts. Well, there'll be lots to follow. Uh, the entire Husker Online team will have uh, let's see, well, four of us at the game in Colorado. Nate will be there as well. Um, watching the game in, in Colorado, but uh, there'll be lots to keep track of throughout the weekend, as well as um, some updates on some of the games Nebraska's coaching staff will, will go out and watch recruits at. So make sure you're logged on to HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.